Well, it's good to be together this morning, and um, I appreciate what Alan had to say. We've been trying to figure out how we want to approach this. I'm talking about small group life, if you want to know the title of this lesson, small group life. I know we're familiar with small groups. We, we, we've talked about small groups. We, we did start as a small group church. Some of us have read lots of books on small groups, or we've done Google search on small groups, and uh, we hear everybody's uh, take on that. It's not a new topic here. Um, today, every church offers small groups. I mean, you just go on any website, and they've got life groups, care groups, whatever groups you want to call it. Uh, they have those. I'm more aware of all the small groups I'm in. I'm in tons of small groups. And I mean, even my uh, uh, in my company, we have a small group that meets every other Thursday called a tech meeting. And what do you talk about? Nothing. That's what we we talk about nothing, but but then we end up but we end up talking about something. We talk about church stuff because all the guys in my tech meeting are members of Greater Alton and uh, they're Christians, and so we end up talking about what the scriptures are teaching as it relates to business, but as it relates to life. Period. Um, we just can't help it. That's what we do. We talk to each other almost every day, whether it's through texting or we're always t- bouncing stuff off each other. And a lot of times we get together and have, at Frank's, and if I recommend, I recommended donut sticks the other day, and the baiters went and they hated them. Um, but I'll tell you, I want to recommend something to you. It's the egg sandwich over at Frank's on the croissant, best sandwich. Make sure you get it on, on Swiss cheese, okay? Two eggs hard. Bacon, oh, it's to die for. And, I, and so uh, I'm slowly converting a group. I know we know lots of passages. Okay, back to this lesson. We know lots of passages about small groups. Am I right? We look and we see them. We see them all over the place. I was reminded of in Romans 16, the Bible talks about Aquila and Priscilla, that the church that meets in their home. And then it talks about Gaius in the same chapter, the church meeting in their home. Well, you know a church this size can't meet in somebody's house, even this size. And the church was big. So we know it was a small group, right? I mean, it doesn't take much to figure that out. But they met in homes. They, and, and, and there's that passage where they, in, in, in Acts 5, where it says they never stopped teaching. They went in the temple courts, big groups, and from house to house. Now, it sounds like the Nazis, but not, not the SS, okay? They went in homes and they taught in homes. Last week in the pulpit, and I point up here is where I usually stand, that, that there was, um, uh, we talked about the house of Cornelius, if you remember. His household. He brought his friends in, his family in to hear the word of God. Now he didn't. He didn't take him to the temple. He didn't take him to to a synagogue. He t- or, or a church building or a public building. He did it right there in his house. There was something personal about that. So we see these groups all the time, and probably the biggest one that uh, the biggest passage that I think of is Acts two. And I want you to know, I read it every time, and I am just perplexed, and I am torn because of what what God wants His church to be and the reality of what it's really like. And I can't stand it. I can't stand the gap. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you read something in the Scriptures, you go, I know that's supposed to be that way. But then there's the what the way it really is. And if you're not very mature, it'll just wreck you. It'll just wreck your mind, wreck your faith. And so you got you got to go, well, do I put up with this? Do I put up with this difference? You have to. If you want to get to where God is, you've got to put up with where you really are. It's kind of like on a you know long vacation. One time we went to to Colorado, and uh, the, the my sons brought the girls, the, their girls with them, and the air conditioning broke down. This was in June, 
I think, or it was July or something. And air conditioning broke down. And we're driving through Kansas with no air conditioning. And I was drawn back to the 60s when we were in a station wagon and there's no air conditioning. And I'm like, this is killing us, you know. And I'm going, oh, but, but, but you know, it's, we have to put up with stuff if we want to get where we want to go. You've got to put up with stuff if you want to get where God wants you to go. Okay? You've just got to put up with it in each other, in your own life. Am I making any sense here so far? Now let me read this passage to you. It's Acts 2. It says, They devoted themselves. It starts off, I think, in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We know the passage. To prayer, to fellowship, to breaking of bread. Everybody was filled with awe. In other words, they were just like, This is great. Why? Because because they devoted themselves, the benefit was, Wow, what an atmosphere to be in. It, it, it goes on to say, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Now that doesn't mean, oh, you like, you know, TV too, or you like chariot racing too. It wasn't, that wasn't what they had in common. Everything they had, they shared. They'd sell their possessions and give to each other. Somebody needed something? I'll, I'll help you. Let me help you out here. It was just that kind of atmosphere in the early church. And it says, every day, every day, it says, they met together. In the temple courts. Well, is it saying this big group, they were meeting every day, pockets of them every day, or did every person meet every day? I have no idea. I just noticed every day was their focus. They made time for each other. Now, before you start saying, well, it's harder today to make time for people, these people didn't have supermarkets, cars, TV, phones, all the stuff that speed things up for us. They had to walk everywhere, just about. They made time for each other. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together. They were together all the time. Ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They weren't all like going, oh man, what I, what do you want me to bring today? Ice. Why do you want me to bring ice? And there's a joke there. You know, if people ask you to bring ice, that means that they're not even sure you're going to show up, okay? Now, if they ask you to bring hot dog buns, they know you're locked. You're going to be there, okay? <laughs> they're depending on that, please. But they met together in the temple courts. They ate together glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Look at the atmosphere. The spiritual atmosphere in these homes, in the church. They're praising God. If God is getting the glory, God is the focus, and enjoying the favor of all the people. The relationships with people are just rich. It's good. And the Lord added to their number daily those being saved. The thing grew. It just grew. I ask myself, and I want you to ask yourself this question, do I honestly see small groups like this? Because that's what it should be, and I'm stuck with reality. I mean, honestly, are our small groups at Greater Alton like that? You see, when I ask people what small group mean to them, if I ask them, or, or if I say this, I say, how is small group going? That's probably the question. How's small group go? They usually answer the same way I say it sometimes. Well, we met at so-and-so's house, and uh, not everybody was there. We went over the sermon. There was some pretty good discussion. Notice what the focus is? The meeting. I didn't ask how a small group is implied. We think, well, you're asking about the meeting, right? And I've been guilty of this. I've promoted the meeting. 
Why do we get this idea that it's about the meeting, the meeting, the meeting? Maybe it's because there's a bunch of books. When you read small group books, they spend a lot of time talking about how to do the meeting. That's possible, okay? I think it's because of the commitment that we make. I think it's formed by the commitment I make to small group. Because a lot of times I'm making commitment to be at the meeting, and that's just about it. And we just want to change that. We want to expand that commitment to not be just about a meeting, but a commitment to meeting people, to meeting each other, to connecting with each other. And that's small group life, not small group meeting. See, the Bible, I'm noticing, doesn't focus on how to do small group meetings. You might get a small group book, it says it, but I can't find a lot of verses in the Bible that say, okay, this is what you do, and this is what you do, and this is what you do. No, it's, it's not talking about small group meetings so much as small group life. And I believe there's a big difference between the two. And we need your help. I need your help. God needs your help in changing the way we view what small group is about. It's not a look. You see, it's not it's not a location or a time. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. I mean, I look at this passage in Acts two, and I go, man, their commitment level is off the chain. I mean, they're spending every day together. They're investing lots and lots of time, and and I'm learning something about this. When I make a commitment like that, I notice that my relationships get deeper that change and maturity begin to happen and people are added to the body of Christ. The mission of the church is even enhanced by small group life. You see, your idea, my idea of small groups, it really has an impact on what I expect in a small group. And what I'm going, how my approach to small groups. It's not a mini worship service. It's not a mini worship service. It's not another Bible class. You follow me so far? It's not a therapy group. I know some of you here, you, you can't wait to get to groups so you can talk about all your problems. And I'm not saying you can't talk about your problems. I'm just saying it's, it's more than a, than that. It isn't just about therapy. It's not a club. It's a community. It's a, a community. What's a, what's community mean? It means people know me and I know them. That's all it means. It means this idea of living together. It's a way of life. And see, small group accomplishes God's desire for koinonia to occur in the body. It makes it possible for fellowship Sharing together everything, everything. I can only think of one kind of small group where we share everything, and it's my family. My mom and I, when we were growing up, we could talk about anything. You know, my dad did not have the sex talk with me. My mom did all the time, <laughs> all the time. I mean, it wasn't like we need to sit down and I need to tell you about the birds and the bees. Oh, I've seen the pigs do it, Mom. I know how it works. No, there's a lot more to it than that. She taught me how important foreplay is. Your mother? My mom. We talk about anything. There was no taboo topic. 
Am I right, Danny? I mean, my mom, mom would bring it up. Hey, one time I, she said to me on the phone, you treating her right? Huh? All I can tell you is my dad and I wouldn't do it if he did, if he didn't treat me right. I'd shut down. Is she shutting down on you? Mom, I'm a little uncomfortable. I'm not. This is a phone call from Arizona. Well, you talk about everything. What's that? No, I don't want to hear that. That was wrong. Maybe that's what he did with you. I mean, I don't remember that discussion. I, and all I'm just saying is, is that, is that when you, it, that's what it's, all I can think about, all I can compare it to is family. To my DNA family. You know, when you look at Jesus one day, and, and Jesus was involved in mega, mega groups, 5,000, 3,000, you know, he had, he was around large groups, but he was also, well, you know, he was around small groups. He had that 12 guys, you know. He also had a, a few others. I mean, think about this, folks. When Judas killed himself and there was an opening, there were two other guys that fulfilled that qualification. So his group was a, maybe a little larger than just the twelve. But the twelve is what we hear about all the time. And out of the twelve, we hear about three, Peter, James, and John. And out of the three, there's his best friend, John. And there's people that try to make a point out of that. The thing I just noticed is, it's just like a family. You've got a size of a family. You got a certain size, you got a little bit maybe extended. And in that family, you've got some that are closer to you than others. I know we don't want to say that, moms. You ever said to one of your children, you know, I can talk to you. I can't talk to the other two. I found out my mom said it to me one time. Then I found out she said the same thing to Danny. I'm not sure about Mike, but she said it to Danny. And I'm just saying, because you know, you have that. You have this, this uh, camaraderie, this unity, this family unit kind of a thing. Well, Jesus one day was with his disciples, with his twelve, and he's in a crowd. And there's a, I'm, I don't know if there was a knock at the door. Someone said, hey, Jesus, your mom and brothers are out here. You know, one of his brothers, his name was James. You know, and, 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 and Mary is that, hey, they're out here. They want to talk to you. And this is what the Bible says in Matthew 12. It's a very controversial passage because we don't like hearing this scripture. A lot of people don't like hearing this. But it's what Jesus said. He replied to them, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Oh, oh, well, Jesus, Mary is your mother and here's your brothers right here. No, he said, he's not asking them to identify him. He's going to identify him. Who are, uh, are my, who's my mother and who, my, who are my brothers? And it says, pointing to his disciples. He just pointed to a small group. And he said, these here, right here in front of you, are my mother and brothers. Whoa, what are you saying? I'm saying just like I need my mommy, my mommy is in my small group. Just like I need my brother, a brother is born for adversity, the Bible says. My brother is right here. Now, is he saying he's anti-family? Now, we know better than that. Is he saying that Mary and his, his brothers don't matter? He's not saying that. I want you to understand. I'm not saying, and listen, he's not saying that my DNA family should come last. He's saying, my family's first. Those in my family are first. Aren't you glad God, Jesus, 
has you first and you're in his family? He thinks of you first. Do you think of his family first? Or do you find yourself settling for DNA family? I want you to think about that. He says, here are my brothers and sisters. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Last week after I got through preaching, I had a guy stop me out in the foyer. And he says, you know, Tim, um, I really appreciate that last point you were making, that, that great families serve God and serve others. And I noticed you brought up uh, a quote from Wyatt Earp. Remember uh, what he says, uh, he, uh, Gene Hackman says, nothing counts so much as blood, the rest are just strangers. And, I, and then you kind of turned it from that word that our family is not just our DNA family. And I was surprised you didn't use the term blood is thicker than water. And I go, oh yeah, that would have been... He goes, well, but, but you know the original meaning of that, don't you? And I go, no, I... I, I I always thought it meant uh, family first. Blood's thicker than water. And by the way, when you do an analysis of blood, it is a little thicker than water. I mean, that, that, that's not what it's meaning, though. It's not talking about that. And, and he just goes, well, let me tell you the original, the way it's worded originally. Originally, it was said like this. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That's the total opposite of what I've used it for. Gene Hackman, you're wrong. And Timmy, you're wrong too. You're wrong too. You know, this term they used was used to describe the bond between soldiers in a war. But think about this. A lot of guys that have served combat together, aren't they tight? Sometimes tighter than they are in any family? Because they've been through the worst They've been through some hellacious things together. They were assigned together. Remember boot camp, didn't get along. But then they start learning. They spend all this time together. All this time in the mud, in the sunshine, cleaning their gun. You've watched Forrest Gump. There's gumbo shrimp, fried shrimp, tater shrimp. That's about it. (laughs) they, They share everything. The blood of the covenant. What a what a it blows my mind. I said I didn't know that, so I I looked at it, looked for myself to see if that's true, and it's true. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Then I got to thinking. Hebrews ten says this in verse nineteen in the praise translation, and now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And He welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm boldly and with no hesitation. What's He saying there? He's saying, you want refrigerator rights? You got them in God's family. You can come to the throne. That's only for family. And where does it come from? The blood of the covenant. Of the covenant. Now I'm beginning to understand why Jesus said things like this when He said, Hey, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword to divide families, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. Well, that just sounds so anti-family, Jesus. No, I'm just stating the truth. My family is that much more important. If you're going to be a part of a family of God, your, your values are going to be different than the values of, of your family, and they're going to cause friction. That's just the way it's going to be. Why do we try so hard to make peace with our families? Water down our commitments so we can have peace in our families. 
You know, when we do that, where the conflict starts happening, where there's a problem in the family of God, in the kingdom, with your brother Jesus, with my brother, with my father, with your father, Almighty God. No wonder he says things like, he warns us that the members of your own household are going to be your enemies. Why? Because you're just in a, you're in a different family. Different values. Kingdom values versus worldly values. I know what that's like. My mom and dad thought I was nuts. My brother thought I was, thought, he used to think I was nuts. Now he's nutty as me. You know, you, you, you have these, you have these conflicts. Why? Because the, the family on earth is saying this and the family from heaven is saying this. So what do I do? And he says it's going to create conflict. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. No wonder he says things like, you're going to love me more than your mother and father and sister and brother and everybody else, including yourself. Why? Because love coming into my family has... He, listen, Jesus is your brother. He says, you want to come into my family? You want to follow me? You want to follow my father? Drastic difference in the way you approach God's family than you do your family. I don't like that. I don't like what I'm, I'm... I don't like this. This is scary. Also, that's why He promises when you give up your mother, father, sister, and brothers, He'll give you more mothers, more brothers, more sisters. You get a bigger family. I, I understand that firsthand too. When I became a Christian, my family wrote me off. I'll never forget going to church. And a line of older women... Denise's mother, one of those, and all they did was hug me and didn't say a word, and I just started bawling because I had, my mother wouldn't hug me. But I, God give me all these mothers. And then here's the brothers high-fiving me for making the decision to follow Christ. Then all these sisters. <sighs> what are you talking? What is this? All, what are you saying, Tim? What's this got to do with small group? Everything. Because this is small group life. It's it's not about my DNA family. It's about my G.O.D. family. And I've got to just think about this for a minute. If that's true, and I believe it to be true, then I've got to break a couple of sacred cows in my life. One of them is this sacred ideal that my that my DNA family comes first. I was thinking about this the other day. Why is it when we plan stuff here around here, my fa- our family, your family, we'll, we'll find ourselves going, well, I already planned this event or this thing in my family and I can't make it to that. But we would never put that in God's family, in the context of God's family. But in our DNA family, we sure will. Well, I can't break that. I expected to get some silence because think about it, church. Where's our priorities when it comes to family? Like again, I'm not saying I'm not saying family should be last. I'm just saying God's family should be first. 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 Is that the way it is in our small group? Is that the way is the way it's going to be in our small group culture? You will determine that. You are going to determine that. 
You know, I know the Bible says, and we talked about it last week. We spent a whole lesson, uh, I know a long lesson, on what the, the idea of having great families. The Bible talks about loving our wives and loving our husbands, you know, wives and marriages and raising up children and, 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 uh, taking care of the elderly and, and our family. Oh, what's, what's, what's that? Uh, uh, if a man doesn't take care of his family, he's worse off than an infidel. Yeah, I, those are all in there. But I've learned something. The Bible talks about, listen to me. I have found more references to the Bible talking about fulfilling my obligation to God's family than to my DNA family. There's much more teaching. Why? Because it was a problem then. It was a challenge then. I mean, there's over 58 one another passages. That's one of the things we, we, we talked about. Debbie pointed that out. Over 58 one, we, you cannot do those, I think was said in a phone booth. You can't do those by yourself. And that's what God wants. That's the purpose. That's what God wants. That's what purpose is, right? What God wants, not what I want. He wants us to be connected. He wants us to, to do that kind of stuff and, and be, and have community. The covenant, the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Is that phrase true when you think of God's idea of family? Because, see, God takes community very seriously. He said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. You know, you, you see now why we're having that sermon series with this weekend going on? It's all about relationships, folks. And the number one relationship is my relationship with God. And he says, and right next to it is love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say love your DNA family, but love others. Love others. He says that the, the prophets, what's been said, all hinge on these two. They're that important. I want to encourage you. Make them important to you. Make this important to you. See, a, a small group life is not a commitment to a meeting, but a commitment to meeting. And I know time is a factor. I know it's hard to do this. I know that. Believe me. How do I kick, stay connected? You can't be... Listen, we used to say this all the time around church. You cannot be connected to everyone at Greater Alton, but everyone can be connected to someone. And that's true. You don't have to be connected to everybody in your small group as much as everybody else. Jesus wasn't connected to all 12 of His guys equally. There was even three that got a little bit closer and one that got the closest of all. But but He was trying to model, hey, you need to make sure you're, you're loving your, 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 your small group. You see, my Christian family... I don't, I know some of you have a DNA family that's Christian, so this is kind of confusing. But your Christian family is the one that brings Christ into everything you do and everything you are. You're not going to have any other relationships doing that. You know that, right? Unless they're Christians, they're not going to, they bring Christ into everything and you want that. We, we want to, we want to be a part of a group that, that I want to be a part of a group where I initiate that and I'm helping contribute to that atmosphere and that environment. And for that to happen, it takes a very serious commitment to other people. Now, I want to say this and I'm going to be done. Uh, just like my DNA family, or more than my DNA family, 
I could say these things to you from the scriptures this morning, and I could we could spend another hour talking about it. I could show you scriptures that say, just like my DNA family, or more than my DNA family, God wants us to be one. Jesus prayed for it. He prayed for unity. He prayed for for closeness. I want you to know nothing breaks. I listened to Don Yoder say this to me one time. He watched his kids fighting and he says, Tim, nothing breaks the heart of a dad than watching their kids fight and bicker or not get along with each other, not be in harmony. Is that true, dads? Oh, it's got to be. I hate it. If I see him not getting along, heck, if I see the grandkids, it bothers me. And I know it does you too, mom. It does, it bothers God too when we're not making time for each other and we're not connecting with each other. And he sees us settling for, for separateness. Jesus prayed for oneness. He prayed that, that like he and the Father are, are, are just so entangled and mashed together that there's no end or beginning. You can't see it that we're that entwined with each other. I can tell you that. Just like a family, that's, the Gill family is one. We're a unit. We know that. We have our own Gill fam text group. Every photo, everything goes through that thing, even embarrassing ones. If you got that, if you got that uh, one that makes you look like a man if you're a woman, and makes you like a woman if you're Denise looks like a dirt biker from Southern Illinois. It's like scary. I go, huh? <laughs> I mean, she doesn't even look like her. You know, I I look like mom with a wig. I mean, that's really that's about it. Everybody goes, well, I know it's you, and and the boys look like supermodels. I'm going, hey, you look kind of cool. Weird. Okay, so. And I mean, and what are we doing? We're sending them to each other. <laughs> I, got, I got one of Denise like this at a restaurant. And I'm going, yeah, look at this. Your mom's sleeping in the middle of a meal. We got this going on. Gymnastics this afternoon. We're planting a garden. All this stuff. We're bouncing and we're talking. Everything. Everything. It should be everything. And when someone dies, guess what? We go through everything. When somebody gets attacked, we go through everything. And when someone gets a promotion, when someone has something happen, we know about it. When someone goes to the doctor and they say, the blood test said that my potassium's a little high. You don't tell me. I'll tell everybody in the family. Am I right, Nathan? Yeah. Oops. You know, we just we share about everything. Well, I want it to be confidential. I, we're talking about that tomorrow. Yes, we should respect privacy and things like that. There are some things in family that stay in family. I get that and should stay in your small group. But it stays in the group and the group knows and the group is working out everything together. I could talk about that. I could talk about loving each other, really loving each other. Like the Bible says, like brothers and sisters. I could talk about being devoted to one another and brotherly love. I could show you that passage. We could talk about praying for each other. The Bible says confess your sin and pray for you. I could talk about that. I could talk about serving each other because the Bible says serve one another. Am I, am I, am I worried out yet? Oh, the Bible even talks about promoting authenticity and accountability with one another. And that's all in there too. And I get that. But I'll tell you the thing that sticks out to me. Like a family and more than my DNA family, the Bible calls me with my small group that we're to live together. We're to live together 24-7. We've been talking this year about it. Finding it. Can I tell you an it? This is it in small group. You find out what it really is when you have this attitude of, 
It's small group life, not small group meeting. I'm going to be connected, but I'm going to be deeply connected, and I'm going to be involved, not to boss each other around, because God wants me that way. He wants wants me to see His family as important and cherish it and love it. Like I said before, community is is it's knowing others and being known by others. Let me read this to you as I close. This is First Thessalonians two one, and then six eight and then eleven twelve. This is this is First uh, Thessalonians two verse one says, "You know, brothers and sisters." Notice the family term, brothers and sisters. These this isn't his DNA family. These people are not Paul's DNA family. These are his G.O.D. family. He says, brothers and sisters, our time with you was not wasted. That's the first thing he says in that chapter. We didn't waste any time. And he goes on to say, for we loved you like a mother who loves her children. He says, we felt strongly, so strongly about you. This is how he feels toward Christian family, his Christian family, that we were determined. Well, that sounds serious. Determined to share not only the good news, but our lives too. We're like a father. He's using all these family terms that treats his children. Now, listen, I, I say this because when I say, when I say mother, Mother's Day is a good day for me. Father's Day isn't so much a good day sometimes for me. Why? Because our families are, you know, they did stupid stuff. You gotta push what your family was like and really focus on what a good family's like. If you wanna understand what God's family should be. If you're gonna relate it to your family, so it's okay for me to slap around, no. It's okay for me to be, no. We're not, the Bible doesn't say it's okay, that's not the part of the family. But a great family, the family of God, Loves each other, is connected to one another, and our, he says we're like a father. We comforted you and encouraged you, yet we insisted. He says we insisted on this, or in other words, we'll die on this hill. That you should live in a way that proves you belong to God, who calls you into His kingdom and glory. He's saying we we are giving you, living with you, for the purpose that you can become what God wants you to be. to grow and mature and be used by Him. See, this is the difference between small group meeting and small group living. One one is bunched together. The other is bonded together by the blood of the covenant. Because it's thicker than the water of the womb. So what's small group life really about? I could not get away from this. The Lord wouldn't let me... I was trying to get loose of this whole point. What's the point, Tim? point is, is that God's family is more important than anything else. And that's what small group life is, really is, it's bedrock is in. And if your small group is, if you're hitting and missing, uh, uh, by the way, hitting and missing meetings is one thing, but you're not even really connected any other time. You're really missing it, folks. We're not going to have great groups here. And I don't believe God's going to bring any more people until we get this adjustment made. Till we really, all of us, and you all have a part of this. Oh, I'm just a nobody. Nobody would know if I wasn't there. I'm like the baby of the bunch. Well, grow up. Don't be the baby of the bunch. Well, I'm the old grandpa. And I'm about ready to kick the bucket. Well, no, you're not ready to kick the Quit retiring. Get in there. Well, I'm the wild one. Quit being so wild. 
Whatever, whatever excuse you use to not be engaged in your physical family, don't bring that into the God's family, okay? Don't bring it in His family. We all have a part in this. We all make a difference. I am so glad Don Yoder's here. He doesn't even, I'm not even a part of his group. But we talk about anything and everything, and he lets me have it. I can say it. I can say anything I want to him. He can say anything he wants to me. And we, if we get mad, it's real. I don't know. We don't get mad. We just go, okay. But it's taken lots of time with that man building things, writing to Pennsylvania on Halloween to get, to get a, an eBay item and coming back. He insisted we stay in separate rooms. We're at the counter and he goes, he goes, oh, no, we're getting separate rooms. I go, why, honey? You know? <laughs> that didn't go over. Stop it. Stop it. You know, I just, okay. But we, we, we talk about anything and everything. I, I, my guard is down with him. And I have to be careful because I don't want to complain too much. I don't want to poison him. Okay? And sometimes he can be real rough. And I need that. I'm just saying is that, is that do you have... You, we build those kind of relationships with lots and lots of time. And I know that time is an issue. That's why I'm so, I'm so happy that you, that you here that have come. It's important enough to be here. I know you got to... It's May for crying out loud. I know there's other things to do. I got a lawn to mow. Grandkids to go see gymnastics. A diaper party. A, a birthday party. There's lots of parties. A lot of stuff going on. And here we are. And I would do that for my family. I listened to somebody say the other day, man, I would sacrifice to have this for my family. Ah, what an attitude to have in God's family, huh? Let's pray. Father, thank You for the bond, the blood of the covenant that's thicker than water. Father, it's, I, when I teach this kind of stuff and I hear myself and I read this kind of stuff, I go, how am I going to do this? And Father, I just, I just remember an old preacher, well, he's old now, he was a young man then, said to me, Tim, just spend time with God and spend time with people and it'll all kind of work out. Father, would you help us do that? As we spend time with you, make time for people, especially this this group that we're that we're in, or the group that we're going to be in, that will just give ourselves to the group, sacrifice ourselves for the group, to let this blood of the covenant just bond us together and not just bunch us together, that there'll be this mashed potato love where the beginning of me and the the end of me is lost in everybody else, and that we're that like Christ, like Jesus and His group, that we don't limit our small group, our small group mindset, Father, to a location or a day or a formula, but allow it to be fluid, so fluid that we see it includes everything, and it involves every day of our lives. Father, we pray for stronger, stronger relationships in our church. Oh, God, could you help us get that somehow? Help us get there. And we know people are needing stronger relationships. And Father, let it begin with me. Let it begin with each of us to develop better relationships that ultimately bring glory and honor to you that the world can see, oh, this is a body of believers. This is a body that belongs to you. This is your family. 
We pray in Christ's name. Amen.